I want to speak a message tonight that I've called Heaven Came Down. And um, as I was preparing it, I thought, man, there's a lot in this. And so I have renamed it to Heaven Came Down Part 1. Just so you know, okay? So if suddenly we stop in the middle of a sentence, it's because that's Part 1, okay? And uh, just stay tuned for Part 2 at some point. But I wonder if you've ever tried to use a word at some point and realize that someone else using the same word have a different meaning altogether. Yeah, I can hear a lot of married people saying yes to that. This is uh, couple therapy 101, okay? If, uh, if you're not married, let me just help you out, okay? Because, um, you know, word, you can use the same words, but someone else, they just have a different meaning. It just means something completely different. It's like, like, this is not from my situation. It's not from my household, okay? So don't read into this. I am just giving a hypothetical situation, okay? It's like when a guy, a husband, let's say, um, says, I'm just going to go for a walk and get some fresh air, okay? Now, the girl, she might hear that and go, oh, no, he wants a divorce. Oh, no, he wants a break. He doesn't love me. Actually, you know what the guy's thinking? I'm going to go for a walk and get some fresh air. That's it. You know, in the same way, if the girl, you know, let's say the wife says to the husband, babe, honey, could you take out the trash? She's not saying you're useless. She's not saying this is foreplay. All she's saying is there's some trash. Could you take that out? It is amazing how in life we read into words all the time. We hear words, and then, like, we just make up things of what it means. There's some words, they become trigger words. We don't like those words. It's like, oh, are you saying this? No, I'm saying this. It's amazing how we have to constantly define and redefine what we're actually saying. Even as Christians, we can say this. You know, it's amazing how someone will say to you, oh, you're really religious, aren't you? No. Especially, like, when you're Pentecostal church like ours, like, no, we're not religious. Oh, we're kind of religious, you know. It's like, no, this is not a religion. It's a relationship. Okay, just calm down, okay. It is a religion. If you just think about the religion is really just having a strong faith that there is a God who exists. Okay, that is kind of the universal recognized definition of what religion is. So we say, oh, we don't have traditions. We heal song. There's no traditions here. Well, we've kind of gone through about 45 minutes of tradition so far. <laughs> You know, traditions in itself is not bad. They're good traditions, but we so often read into words. What about the first time you heard the word church? It's like, oh my gosh, like, that's like a place where crazy people they meet. Or the first time you heard a friend had become a Christian, like you call them up, don't you? All concerned, you're like, oh no, you're brainwashed too. You know, you joined a cult. I mean, we, we just, we read these crazy things into words. We do it even with the Bible. You know, we, we read things, and it's amazing how you can hear one person talk from the Bible, and then you hear someone else talk from the Bible, and it's like, how can you get such different messages out of the same source? Maybe it would be a good idea sometimes just to do a little bit of analyzing on what things actually means. What about our even the habits of being a Christian, some of the things that we talk about in our walk with Jesus, like reading the Bible, like generosity, like prayer. I want to talk about prayer for a little bit tonight. 
Now, prayer, though, I'm not, it's, it, we're not going to cover all of it. I mean, this is only part one of not even covering all of it. Um, but prayer can often be, you know, when we think about what prayer is, you know, we say we should pray every day. Prayer, I, I don't know what pictures are going on in your head, but for some, they kind of picture the prayers, you know, you sitting next to your bed with maybe a little candle or something, and, and I love candles. Anyone else? Like, I get all spiritual with candles, you know? These days, you got to watch out for candles because we all, like, split it up. Like, we're going to blow up. But, you know, like, you're sitting there on your knees, and you kind of, your words go up to the ceiling, and then they drop down in alphabetical order on your bed, and it's kind of nice, but maybe there is more to prayer than that. Matter of fact, Jesus, he gave us a prayer for us to pray. It's called the Lord's Prayer, Felova. But even that, sometimes we go, I don't know, it seems a bit traditional and rigid just to pray a prayer that's already written out, even though it's the Son of God who wrote it, whatever. And, but I want to just, just have a look at the Lord's Prayer, if that's okay. And we're just going to go through it line by line. Is that okay? And we're just going to go, what does this even mean? Because maybe the Lord's Prayer is not just a model of how to pray. Maybe if we actually believe the words, there is power in the prayer. So can we read it together? And you can even say it out loud with me if you want. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debt as we also forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, this prayer, you know, we can easily, as I said, become rebellious and go, well, I don't want to pray something, you know, that everyone else prays. But can we just go through it just line for line and just see what it means and then just see if it has any relevance in our life. Is that okay? So it starts out, our Father. Now, we're going to stop right there. We're going to stop with just the word, our. I, I know that's a bit hard in Danish because it's fellow boss, so we have to stop at bo. Um, But we, we stop at our, our Father. And we've got to stop here because at the time when Jesus, he, he prayed this prayer, you know, the Jewish people, that, and that's largely his audience that he's speaking to, they had a very exclusive view of their faith, that, 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 that believing in their God was something that was reserved for the Jews only. And it was kind of a power play because it was like, it's our God, it's not your God, it's our God. And if you want to be part of this game, if you want to pray to our God, there are certain things you've got to do. And so they would have all these rules and regulations for someone who's non-Jewish to come in and pray to their exclusive God. And then Jesus steps up in front of Jews and Gentiles and the likes, all of them. And he goes, this is how we should pray. Our. Suddenly he makes God inclusive. He says, this is not just the God of the Jews. This is not just the God of the people who are perfect. This is not the, the God of the people in the front row. These are not the people of God of Hillsong. No, this is our God. Our Father who are in heaven. He, ma he, he makes sure that everyone understands this is all inclusive. You see, for us, we got to understand that one of the great missions of Jesus was when He came down. When He came down to earth, He wanted to reconcile that which was broken. 
He wanted to restore that which was lost. But when Adam and Eve rebelled, you know, when sin came into the world, it wasn't just our relationship with God that was broken. You know, sometimes we have this idea that yeah, Jesus came down to make a bridge, you know, to heaven. Yeah, yes, that's one of the things, but there was more things broken. On that day, there was also the relationship between human and human. Who knows, that it's kind of broken. It's kind of broken, like how we treat one another. More than that, it was also the relationship between human and nature and creation. So when Jesus came, he came to restore relationship between human and God, human and human, and human and creation. But as long as I can think of other people as strangers, as long as I can think of strangers as them, those, they, I control the narrative of who they are. Then I can say what I want about them because they're strangers. As long as I can describe strangers as other people, then I can say whatever I want and how they're like, what they act like, what they need, what they want, and I can control the whole narrative. But Jesus, he changes it, and he says, no, 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 our father, our father. If we share the same father, that means you're my brother, and I'm yours. Sorry, sorry. That means that you're my sister. That changes the narrative. Because I no longer suddenly have the right to treat you the way I want to treat you. Because suddenly we are in family together. Our Father, our Father, we're in this together. It should change the image that you have of the people next to you. It should change the image as a guy of how you treat a girl. Because she's a daughter of God. It should change the narrative. Because it is our Father. Even that person who's hurt you. Even that person who's said something about you, even that person who's done something wrong against you, God is still their father. That's a, isn't that unfair? Yeah, it's so unfair. But then again, grace is not fair. Grace is a scandal. It's so unfair. Because it accepts you and me that are broken and messed up and done so many different things. But when God is our father, can I just encourage you though, not to judge the father based on his children. Isn't that what we do? We go, I don't, I don't want anything to do with God or Jesus or anything because I've met some Christians along the way. Man, I remember sitting on a plane once and the guy, and I, I think I told this story before, I was sitting next to this guy and I, and I didn't get my headphones on quick enough. And so this guy next to me, he starts talking and he goes, what do you do? And he, you know, you know when you can just have a vibe and, and, I, and I don't like saying I'm a pastor straight away because it kind of like, you know, how to kill a conversation within five seconds. So I was like, oh, you know, I'm an event manager, which I am. Every Sunday I run an event, okay? And he's like, oh, cool. You know, like, he keeps asking questions. I'm like, oh, we're going to get there. I'm a pastor, okay? And he's like, oh, I hate Jesus. I'm like, that's a bit aggressive. I'm like, I go, you're an idiot. How can you hate Jesus? Like, he's like the best ever. And then he says, it's not Jesus I have a problem with. It's just that every Christian I've ever met and who's worked for me, they've either lied or stolen from me. Fair enough, you know. The challenge is, is that we then project that onto Jesus. But, you know, having a problem with God because of Christians is like having a problem with my dad because my brother's an idiot. It's like, no, no, let God stand on his own. 
judge Jesus based on Jesus. We've all met weird Christians. We've all been weird Christians. But, but can I encourage you, if you're a guest here today, if this is your first encounter with church or Christianity or Jesus or whatever you want to call it, can I encourage you to judge Jesus on his own? Don't judge him based on someone that once said something to you and they wore a gold cross and that must have made him a Christian. Come on, let Jesus stand on his own. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Okay, let him be judged on his own. Then it says, we have only one word into this prayer. This is going to be part one of ten. Um, then it says, Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Now we have to read and we've got to pray these together. Because here, when Jesus says Father, he chooses a word in Aramaic, which is the language he spoke at the time. And the word he uses is the word Abba, which is not a Swedish band. It's a word. And Abba means Daddy. Now, some theologians, they don't like this. They think it's too irreverent. It is, it is a lack of respect to call God of heaven and earth daddy. But the thing is, you've got to read them together. It is our daddy in heaven. It's not about disrespect. It's about knowing who God is. It means that you truly know who God is. It's that you, you respect the position. You respect the office. You respect who God is. He's in heaven. But you also recognize there is a relationship. I have access. He's not angry with me. He's daddy. That I have access to daddy who's in heaven. You see, daddy says God is good. In heaven says God is in control. And if you can understand those two things at the same time, that the God who is good is also the God who is in control. The God who is in control is also the God who is good. So that's why in the middle of something that's going on, you can go, hey, Daddy, I'm coming to you because I know if there's anyone that can help me, it's you. Because you are Daddy in heaven. We said this before, but let this be our mantra. I am loved greatly by a faithful God. Man, if you could make that your mantra, no matter what happens, before you go into that meeting or on the way out of that meeting, you know, make that your saying, I am loved greatly. I don't know what, how I'm going to come out of this situation. You've just received a doctor's report. You've just had a meeting at the bank. You've just pitched your idea, whatever it might be. But I'm loved greatly by a faithful God. Is that okay? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This has got nothing to do with Halloween. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. I didn't know I had to like justify that one. Hallowed be your name. Now, hallowed, it just means keep it holy. Keep it holy. Now, holy is an interesting word because holy just means set apart. A another translation of holy is a cut above the rest. And it's a word that they would use even like when they went shopping at the market. You know, if they went to get some, some, some cloth or whatever they would buy in the time of Israel, or of Jesus, you know, they would say, I want the best quality. I want that which is a little, you know, a cut above the rest. I want that which is holy. You know, it's like when you go, you know, certain restaurants, you can, you can buy the steak, but then there's also the one that's hanging in the fridge. Come on, somebody. That's a cut above the rest. It's that when you go in and you find that one jacket or that one pair of jeans and you're like, my goodness, that, and then what do you ask them to do? Can you set this aside for me? Can you set it apart? What, what you're actually saying is, can, can, you just, can you just hallow this for me? That's what you're saying. Can, can you just set this apart? It's like when your children, they're walking. 
and you know like they're walking, they're looking at all these like rocks and then there's always like one rock and it's like always the dirtiest of all the rocks and it's like that one, you know, and they pick up that one rock and that one is just special. Why is it special? Because I say so, you know. And then you're like, here, Daddy, you carry that. And you're like carrying this dirty rock with like God knows what on it, you know. And you're carrying that home and it's been set apart. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. So we declare that. You know, it all depends on really when you understand that His name is above everything else. It means that no matter what you are facing, that you can say, but there is a name above it all depends on how you use your butt. I can hear how that came out. But you know, it's like parents. You know, you, as parents, you say to your children, you know, when you finally, you know, have a breakthrough and they finally apologize to each other as siblings. And you're like, my God, there is a God. And you know, you, you, you're sacrificing lambs, so thank God. And finally, they have apologized for something. But then... They say those words, but daddy, no, 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 but, because the moment you say, but you negate everything you just said, you go, you know what? I'm so sorry for everything I did. And I know it's my fault. And you know, I really apologize. And daddy, you're right. And my sister, I love her, but it's like, no, that had just changed everything. The truth is a lot of times we do that. We say, God is good, but it's like, no, 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 but, you know, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, forg I'll, forgive, I'll forgive those who, you know, hurt me. But, no but, you know, I'll love my neighbor. But, no but, how do you use your but? Because you can flip it around as well. You can say, you know what, I know my marriage is in trouble right now, but I know that I'm facing some financial trouble right now, but... I know my business is not doing so well right now, but I know that my health is in crisis right now, but I know that there is a name above every other name. I know God is bigger. He is good. He is in control. He will turn this around. It's not saying I am ignoring reality. It's not saying that I don't have, you know, touch with what is going on and I'm ignoring the facts. No, we use wisdom. We use principles. We apply wisdom in the natural. But once everything is said and done, we place our trust in God. And we say, I can see everything that is going on. I can see that report. I can see that situation. But I know that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly, and above all that I could ask, think, or imagine. My faith is in Him. Hallowed be His name. This is not blind faith. It's selective faith. It's not blind faith. It's selective. It is choosing what I place my faith in. We're not ignoring the realities, but we choose and we say, I'm not going to place my faith in this situation. My faith is in God. Amen? Our Father. We're in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. What is this kingdom? Simba, everything the light touches is your kingdom. <laughs> what is this kingdom? Well, the kingdom of Jesus is wherever Jesus is king. That's it. 
The kingdom of God is wherever Jesus is king. We say, well, I've invited Jesus in, and you know, I'm part of God's kingdom. Well, I can't judge that. The question is, is Jesus king? Is he king? Is he king in our lives? It goes hand in hand with, you know, your will be done and hallowed be your name. Because it's saying, Jesus, I make you king in my life today. That, that my, my feelings are not the king. My desires are not king. I'm not the king. My, my, my dreams are not the king. My boss is not the king. My, my wife is not the king. She's the queen, though. I mean, but that not anyone or anything else is the king. We want your kingdom, Jesus. What, what a prayer to pray. Your kingdom come. You see, this morning, I don't know why, maybe it's because our kids, they have, you know, pastors as parents, but we talked about heaven uh, on this morning on the way to church, and we start talking about heaven and, you know, like, one, and, and so often heaven, as Christians, it becomes one day when, doesn't it? It's like one day I'll go to heaven. One day we'll, we'll go to heaven. And, and, and heaven becomes this thing, in the, it's like the carrot for all the Christians, it's like, it's okay, you know, you can go through this, and everyone's calling you weird, it's fine, because look, look, heaven, you know. And it becomes this weird thing, like, yeah, heaven, heaven. And we're like, we're chasing after this thing called heaven. And we don't really know what it is, but heaven came down. Heaven came down. Heaven is not one day when. Heaven starts now. When Jesus came, he says, the kingdom has come near. The kingdom is here. It's like when Jesus came down, he's like, no, 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 no. Heaven is not one day when, yes, there's going to be something that happens and we're going to step from this side of eternity to the other side of eternity. But when Jesus came, he says, hey, I have brought heaven with me. And what God is doing is that he's trying to outwork heaven in us and through us. When you love those who hate you, heaven. When you forgive those who have hurt you, heaven. When you are generous and you help those who are helpless, Heaven. When you give voice to those who have no voice, heaven. When you reach out and you love people and you forgive people and you show Jesus, heaven has come down. We are supposed to be a taste of heaven. Church, it's not just supposed to be an event where we do music and flashy lights and smoke and, and what have you. No, it's supposed to be a taste of heaven. It's supposed to be there is something about this place. More than atmosphere. More than hype. More than whatever we want to call it, there's supposed to be a taste of heaven. It's like in Acts when, when it says that the, the church gathered together in Acts chapter 2. And it, it says the people of Jerusalem, they looked through the window. And they looked in. They probably didn't have windows. But they looked in. And the Bible says, and they liked what they saw. I mean, there's a reason why we do church the way that we do it. Because the people should look in and not go, they're weird, you know. They shouldn't go in and go, never, you know. They should look in and go, I like what I see. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus says, this is how people are going to know that you're Christians. Not because you're going to jump up and down. Not because you've got the right tattoos. Not because you're wearing jewelry. Not because of this. Not because of that. The way people are going to know you're Christians is the way you love one another. Because that's heaven. That is heaven. My voice just activated someone's Siri. That's what I do. Heaven, your kingdom Come, if the team can come and join me, that would be fantastic. Your will continue. Your will be done on earth as it is 
in heaven. Could you imagine praying this prayer every single day? Your will be done. Could you imagine praying that in the morning? You leave home, you, you go, to, go to work, go to school, go wherever you're going. All right, Lord, today your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What a statement. Your will be done. You see, so often we are focused so much more on what we want rather than what we need. I mean, that's, that's where we get in trouble, isn't it? Is that we have all these short-term wants just try, vying for our attention when really there is all this stuff that we need. You know, we, I, I tr we try and say to our kids, it, you know, one day. But we say, you know, do the things you need to do when you need to do it. And a time will come when you can do the things you want to do when you want to do them. But you first got to deal with it, your needs before you can focus on your wants. Now, a lot of people, they think if you become a Christian, you can say goodbye to all your dreams. Because becoming a Christian, that means you've got to sell everything and be a missionary overseas. And you probably end up like somewhere and just be miserable the rest of your life. And don't you dare be happy about it. That somehow we have construed this weird idea that the less happy you are, the more holy you are. That the more poor you are, the more holy you are. That the more out of your comfort zone you are, the more in the right place with God you are. That is so weird. Why would God make you one way and then use you another way? It's like we've made comfort zone like the enemy. It's like, oh, do you feel comfortable doing that? Oh, you must be doing the wrong thing. Or, let's flip that around. Let's just flip the script on that one. Or, I have found what I was created to do. Why would God, God doesn't use you one way in order to use you. God doesn't make you one way in order to use you another way. The challenge is that in this pursuit, we focus on what we want much more than what we need. Now listen, God has no problem giving you what you want as long as it doesn't compromise what you need. That's a great timing, by the way. That was perfect. He landed it right on, on point. Come on, can we give it up? Well done. God has no problems giving you what you want as long as it doesn't compromise what you need. You see, we think that our dreams and our desires are something we came up with. It's like, oh, I've got all these dreams and desires. And God's like, oh, really? Surprise. <laughs> Psalm 37, verse 4, the Bible says, Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. He, He will give you the desires of your heart. You see, I, I think you can read this two ways. I think, number one, God gave you the desires. He created you with those desires. It's like, I want to do music. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to, like, it's like God gave you those. He gave you those dreams. But more than that, the second part you can read is that He wants to give you what you desire. I want to do this. Great. I gave you that desire, and I want to give you what you desire. But what's the key here? It says delight in the Lord. You see, so many of us, we are chasing around what we want when God's like, could you just pursue what you need? And trust me with what you want. It says, delight 
in God. Trust Him. That's what we need. I'm loved greatly by a faithful God. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. These are all the things that we need. And trust Him with what you want. If you want a New Testament example, Jesus, He says in Matthew 6, we just heard about it earlier tonight. He says, don't worry about what to wear. Don't worry about what to eat. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about that. Matthew 6, 33. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. That's what we need. To seek His kingdom and how it's outworked in our lives. That's His righteousness. And all these things, everything we want, will be given to us as well. But we kind of ignore God, seek what we want, and then we make God an afterthought. You know, we do our own thing, we strive, and then we're like, oh, by the way, God, can you bless what I'm doing over here? And he becomes an afterthought, or he becomes like the fallback option. Oh, man, I've messed it up. Hey, God, help! And he's like, no, 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 change focus. God, I want you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Just lead me today. Guide me today. And it's amazing how suddenly he blesses. He opens doors. And suddenly all these things that you were chasing, unless... We have what we need. We're not ready to handle what we want. What we want will kill us. If you, if, you get, if you go somewhere where your character is not ready, that gift is gonna destroy you. So God, He is changing us from the inside out. He, he's giving us what we need. Why? Because He's more interested in who you're becoming than what you're getting. But if you can become the right person in terms of your convictions, in your capacity, in your character, it's got no issues. It's got no issues giving you the things that you want. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now we, we, we're going to continue, but there were, this is going to be part two. <laughs> Give us today our daily bread. You know, I love that. God, he, he always focuses and always brings it back to today. Today. It's not about tomorrow. It's not about the day after. He says, no, today. Today is the day. And he wants to connect with you today. Every Sunday, we give people this option of saying, hey, if you're away from God, you know, uh, we want to give you an opportunity to connect with God through Jesus. That's why there's so much focus in this church on, on Jesus because it is Jesus who connects us to all the promises of God. It is Jesus who connects us to everything God He wants to do in and through our lives. And before we finish up tonight, I want to just give anyone here tonight that if you've never connected your life with Jesus, you've never opened your life up to this reality where you've made Jesus the king of your little kingdom, where you said, you know what, I've tried it in my own way, but every time I do it, it ends up in civil war and like everything's breaking down and nothing is working. Maybe it's time to demote yourself. Maybe it's time to say, hey, Jesus, could you be the king? Could you, could you, could you just help me with this? Could, 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 could I just try and focus on you in this instead of trying to live for the accolades of people, instead of trying to do this, that, and the other in order to be acceptable? Maybe if I just lived and realized I'm loved by you and, you know, that I'm loved greatly by a faithful God and you're in control of all of this and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be faithful in the present but I'm, a, I'm, I'm gonna put my faith in what I do. I'm gonna trust you. He's good and he's in control. 